Philippians chapter 4. Last week, we talked about being kept by peace. I wanted it to, to go straight to verse 8 and talk about that, but we needed to go back and, and look at a couple things about peace and being kept by peace and having peace in our life and how it will affect how verse 8 will absorb and be put into practice in our life or if it even can. So we're going to be in verse number 8 this morning. We live in a world where reality is always under attack in some way. You ever think about that? Hollywood has turned everything into fiction, even even truth. They'll, you know, I've always enjoyed movies that are supposed to be a true story, but if you watch it, it says based on a true story, meaning that a lot of what you're going to see is not true. And then how many of us have read books and then seen the movie and it wasn't even the same story almost. And if you know history and it's based on history, the book wasn't even hardly based on truth. So by the time you got to see it from Hollywood, the diluted version of the truth was almost a complete untruth all the way around. So reality and truth are they hold hands together. Get that visual in your mind of if it's real, it's true. If it's true, then it's real. Anything outside of that is a lie and it's fiction. It's not true. It's not real. It's it's a fantasy. It's always being threatened by being replaced in more ways than you can imagine by fantasy. Talking about truth and reality. We've been talking about this for a while now as it pertains to being born again, living for God, having peace, rule in our lives. But the information we absorb and allow into our life and mind has a profound, deep impact on the way we react to the goings-on around us. Do you, is there things that goes on around you that are fantasy sometimes? Yes. When... when <laughs> yeah. Well, I started. I was thinking along the lines of the fact that ninety percent of everybody you see is not living. They're living in some version of their own fantasy, and that's their reality. But then, if you have little kids, especially little girls and boys, they they live in a fantasy a lot. Everything is imagine what you told me before church. <laughs> Very much a fantasy to to the point of comedy. Uh, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. It, it shapes our world view, okay? The way, the, the information that we absorb and allow into our life and mind, it, it shapes your world view. Your understanding about what the Lord wants from you and what our spouses and children need from us, our church, our employers, etc. All of mankind that you live around and rub shoulders with and coexist within this world they're all affected by your worldview and how you perceive reality or whether you live in a fantasy it seems like I talk about this an awful lot but the more that I look up from my life and look around I'm amazed at the fact that the people that I see that live this way really believe that things are really that way 
And then you hear ridiculous stories about people that believe in stuff. Like what you told me this week. Lady believes in two things, God and leprechauns. And you better not say anything about the leprechauns because she will get mad They're at you. They're as real as God. They're as real as he is. Are you serious? Same Lucky charms? I mean, for real? Yeah, for her, it's real. And that's as far out in la-la, just goofball land. Is it? What do you think her, this lady, her perception of God is if she believes that leprechauns are real too do you believe she has a right mindset and understanding of god absolutely not same lady is the one that said god uses karma to get even with people god uses karma eastern religion and fantasy superstition to get even with people. Does God get even with people? No, no, that's not even a part of His character. But you see what I'm talking about, and this is what we're going to talk about. How that her perception of what is true and real affects how she spreads out to the people around her, and bleeds over onto and stains her surroundings. And, and, and that's how it just grows and spreads and infects the entire human race this way. If, these, if those things that are all based on a whole lot of untruths, like imaginations and fantasies that have grown into unrecognizable fiction, how can we imagine that they, that we could ever be on the right track with anything? If that's the kind of stuff that affects your perception of what is true. Okay? Philippians 4 verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. First one on the list. If you do not understand what that means, you're not going to get any of the rest of it right. Like the old story about the little boy that hit the home run and he run the bases and then got back to home base and the catcher tagged him out. And they said, "I no, I made it home before you got me. He said, you didn't touch first base. So none of your run counted, see? And it's the same way with this. Truth. Now, a few weeks ago, I talked about knowing what's right don't make you right. You know, in... In, in, in our churches and in Christian homes, so much emphasis, and rightly so, is put on raising your children, what? Raising them right. Teaching them to do what's right. And teaching them the truth. But how much emphasis gets put on teaching them to walk in truth versus just teaching them to know what's right and wrong? And then putting the burden of responsibility on them. Well, you know what's right. You didn't do it. So here comes the stick. And that's people's understanding of what discipline looks like. What choice looks like. What free will looks like. And it's all screwed up. Because there is what's true. And then there's what's fantasy. Alright. Let's look at the definitions of true. I ain't done this in a while with a word, but this is neat. There's nine different versions that Noah Webster gave for what true means. Not truth, just true. 
The Bible says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. So, definition number one, conformable to fact. Being in accordance with the actual state of things, like reality. If something is true, then there'll be proof that it's true. It lines up with what actually is real and what's going on around it. It's conformable to fact. So there won't be imagination stories to back up something that's true. Okay? Um, Here's a good example. I've seen people, and if you ask their kids, well, let's see if we can explain it this way. Their kids are spoiled. They get anything they want. They've got the designer shoes and clothes. They eat out all the time. They have, they're involved in every program at school. Nothing is withheld from them. In the kids' mind, money is not an object. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a problem, okay? Eh. The, the, the thing that they, uh, what am I saying here, that they exude to, like what they, they, everybody thinks that they're wealthy, right? The kids are spoiled. They, if you tell them no about anything, they get upset over every little thing. But the parents are really broke. They're in debt up to their eyeballs because they live on credit cards. So is that family really wealthy? Of course not. They're poorer than me. They just look like they're... So is the truth about them being rich really true or is it a fantasy? It's a fantasy because it's only a matter of time before the things they've borrowed from that credit card all... The piper comes calling. And so that's what I mean. The, the truth will always be conformable to fact. You'll not, it'll not look like it's true, but it really ain't. That There'll be proof. Okay, It's genuine and pure and real, not counterfeit. That's what true means. Something is genuine. Let's jump over into a different lane. True means faithful. Loyal to promises and friends. And it's not fickle. True means not fickle. True means free from falsehood, which is different than just fraud. Because the next one is honest, not fraudulent. Free from falsehood. Hmm. That covers the whole gamut of untruth. Lies, deceit, guile, you know, the old switcheroo. Free from falsehood. It is exact. Right to precision. It means straight and right as a true line or level. That's that's the thing about, you know, working in... Uh, the carpentry trade, you know, you always have a level. There's eight footers and six footers, four footers and two footers, and then you got your little torpedo you carry around. And if somebody drops your four foot level from the second floor and it hits the floor, you don't ever really have confidence in what about that level anymore, if it's true or not. It might say that it's level, but is it true? 
Well, how do you figure out if it's true or not? You take one that hasn't been compromised and check it. And it'll tell you if it's true. It means not pretend. It means rightful, as in one who is the rightful heir. He's the true heir. He's the true king. It means not a fake. If we don't consistently, like it says here in this verse, then if you read through it, let's read the whole verse. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, part of truth, whatsoever things are just, part of true, whatsoever things are pure, part of true, whatsoever things are lovely, part of true, whatsoever things are of good report, evidence of truth, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, Think on these things. It's all about truth. Everything in that verse is an effect or result or it's evidence of truth's presence. And it ain't just about it being present. It's it, And it didn't say, do these things. No, it says, think on these things. How many times have you heard him say, where the battle for your soul is fought? On the battlefield of your mind. Think. What do you think with? You think with your mind, right? Yeah. Think on these things. If we don't consistently think on true things as it was just defined, if our minds are, if our minds and understanding are only molded and manipulated through the years by untruth, to the point where in earthly, temporal things we are out of touch with reality, well then there's no way in the world that we will ever be able to get a hold of any truth spiritually. Can you explain to Felicity, at what, four years old, the intricacies of the doctrine of sanctification? (laughs) No. 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 You know what you can teach her, though? The difference between fantasy and reality. That's what you need to do. You know, I'm afraid I'm going to get a hold of myself. Yeah, I am. Let me just stick to my notes. Get ahead of myself here. What did I say? A hold. I need to get a hold of this, these notes right here. So, things that are true. Things that are true about what? Everything. Everything. Things that are true about God, of course. That goes without saying. I mean, we feel that responsibility as parents, as Christians, more than anything. However, what about the rest of it? Is the only charge that you have as a parent is to teach your children the truth about God? And that's it? Just let them be feral in every other way. I've seen a lot of kids raised like that. You do your duty, take them to church, put them in Sunday school, put them in a Christian school, get them a Christian education, and then let them do whatever. And then blame it on everybody else when they go haywire. Well, how would they do that? Well, just giving them information that they don't understand in the first place ain't going to just magically make it all turn out. So, things that are true about what? About everything. That's why it's so important to teach children true things first. Not 
things of imagination and fantasy first. You know, every now and then you'll run across somebody with little children that are accomplished at a young age. Like they, it's, it takes you aback that they speak clearly. They don't have a problem speaking to adults. They don't talk a bunch of nonsense all the time. I mean, it's funny to me. You take a little boy, especially. That's the one that it seems to catch more attention. But you take a little old boy like Max. You know, we got some friends and they got a little old boy and he's three years old. But from the time that he has been able to walk, he's been with his daddy. His dad is the ranch manager for Eagle Sky over there. And he, that boy, only ever wants to be just like his dad. And Brandon just takes him right along. He carries buckets of feed. If it hit the other day, the same thing, he's like, I can't do it. It's too heavy. He said, you can do it. And he did. Do you think Brandon put too much in there for him to carry? No, it was hard. I mean, he's only two and a half foot tall, so I mean, or, you know, he's just a little bitty guy. But yeah, I mean, the bucket hits him about chest level when he's standing beside it. But he's got it. He's carrying it over there to feed the critters. And, you know, everything about what that boy experiences daily with his parents is real. He rides the tractor. He rides the side by side. They feed the elk and the cows and the buffalo and everything they've got there. Everything that exists, that little boy's reality, is is real. It's true. Now, does he have toys and stuff like toy tractors? Yes, and he loves to play with them. But you want to know what he likes better? Real ones. Mm-hmm. And his daddy takes him on them and lets him, you know, drop the drop pin when they're hooking up a bush hog or whatever. I mean, he lets him experience in a safe way, in a guarded way like a parent would. He lets him experience true things. Well, that little boy, he's not weird. I'm sorry, but there's a lot of weird kids in this world anymore. And it's because they're being raised to be little weirdos. It's a fact. Why? Because everything in their life is imagination. It's all a fantasy. Everything is fake. There's nothing really true in their life, including their parents. Their parents live in a fantasy. To the point where they play fantasy sports with other adults and bet money on it. And everything is a fantasy. They, they literally call it. It's all fantasy. Yeah. And then you wonder why your kid grows up and can't seem to hold a job. Or he, you know, he can't go to work because they're mean. <laughs> they spoke mean to me. I can't do it. I have anxiety. And I just have to stay home and live in my fantasy playing my video game. That's a fantasy. It's not real. That's where they're happy. That's where they're safe. It's where they're content. It's all fantasy. It's not real. It's not true. And it's a comfortable place to be because nobody threatens you. Nobody makes you carry the heavy bucket of feed through the mud. That's right. That's right. That's it right there. So what happens to you as a person? Do you develop? Nope. Nope. You mutate. That's what happens. How do you determine... If something is fantasy or imagination based or not. Well, you compare it to truth. You compare it to reality. Just like we said about the first definition of it, it's conformable to fact. Truth, true means conformable to fact. And so that's how, just like I said with the level, that's how you determine if something's right or not. You compare it to what you know to be true. 
Well, why do you think truth has been attacked so hard in the last 20 years, especially about truth being subjective? There's your truth, and then there's her truth, and my truth, and your truth, and... No, there's not. No, there's not. There's, there is your fantasy, and your fantasy, and your fantasy, and my fantasy, and then there's the truth. And then there's reality. Because even in this sin-cursed world, what you experience out here, you know, it's real. We were talking about this last night, about how cold it was last night. And everybody on social media just railing on everybody else about, you know, you better make sure your dog's inside. If your dog's not inside, you're a, a worthless human being and a lot of other awful things they call you. You know, you're a scum human being. Well, why don't, why don't you talk about all of the people that slept on the street last night? Yeah. There you go. Right. Why don't we talk about the people that die in Poplar Bluff yes. every winter because they freeze to death? Yes. Why don't we talk about them? If you're going to be up in arms about everybody's dumb old dog out here that, that don't want to come in the house in the first place, hello, why don't you drive yourself down to Popper Bluff and do something about them poor people that are freezing to death down there? Yeah, Talk to me about the dog when you've built them a house to live in down there or something. Bunch of hypocrites. Makes me mad. It's truth. That's right. Do you live in a fantasy? That's what you live in. Everything about your life is a fantasy. And there ain't no way you know any truth about God whatsoever if you're more worried about dogs being cold than you are people. Right. Sure. Yep. There you go. I agree. Yeah. I seen a dog on the way to church and he was just had his tail narrowed as happy as he could be. You know? <laughs> Trust me. I mean, I'll just insert this here. Y'all know that I closed in part of the porch years ago and we keep the dogs in there near crates at night. And, and I, okay, I keep a little old heater like that in there and it takes it down to about 45, 50, maybe at the very best. It's colder than that in there this morning. You want to know what they want to do? Get outside. Yep. And as soon as you open the door, they're just like rockets right out the door and running and playing and rolling. And you know, they do not, they, they sit out there. I literally watched him yesterday and this morning. Sit there and eat ice. Just, <laughs> just, it's two degrees this morning, and he's out there eating ice, running and playing. I'm sure that having a nice little warm spot to sleep really meant a lot to him last night. I can tell by how much ice he ate this morning when I let him go outside. You see my point? Is imagination and pretending wrong? No, it's not for a child. However, it's very off-putting and repulsive and most of the time incorrigible in adults. We talked about this the other day about how our play as little boys, what all it included, which mostly included making some kind of a gun out of a piece of wood Digging a hole or building a fire. Me and David went through a stretch of time there where we built a fire every day somewhere. We had a campfire. Because, I mean, every camp had to have a campfire. And whether it was in our imagination, whether it was an army camp or a cowboy camp, and we was fighting Indians, or 
if we was going to just dig a hole and put a we we had an old refrigerator shelf a grate when they used to be wire grates that we carried around with us all the time that was our grill we'd dig a hole and build a fire in it throw it down let it get hot and we'd ask mom can you get us hot dogs at the grocery store yeah so she'd get us packs of hot dogs and we'd cook our hot dogs i mean cold like this and we'd be out there bundled up cooking hot dogs like homeless people on a <laughs> on a fire and we loved it it was our own version of imagination but a lot of our play was work we'd spend days building a scenario like a like a military camp or something like that that affect a foxhole dig a big hole somewhere cut down a bunch of trees to make a cabin was we going to do it no but we got the trees down that's bad yeah. <laughs> but there came a time when that was childish because why well because there was enough input into our life from reality to make us want to aspire to be real like instead of of our play and our time and our effort and our energy being exerted on fantasy it was like what do you think Paul meant when he said I put away childish things it, it makes my heart warm if you want to I don't know that sounds silly but it's like it makes me smile to watch little boys do that to play like that and just or see them walk around dressed up like their dad with their Carhartt vest on and their big tall hat that's way too big for them and their rubber boots and walking around. They used to come in the feed store all the time like that because all they want to do is be. Yeah, they. I mean, they they play is fun, but real is better. Mm-hmm. Yep. And somebody put that in them by example, and and you got to attach value to reality when you're teaching the, this. Mm-hmm. If you gripe about your reality all the time, they're not going to want your reality. If everything about your life is awful and we're always on the bottom and it's not fair, and that's all they ever hear, then that's what they're... Are they going to want to be a mom if all you ever do is gripe about babies? They're going to want to be a wife and a mother and a housekeeper if that's all they ever hear you do is gripe about it? Or hear you gripe about your job and having to go to work every day and how bad it is and how you hate it so bad? Nah. They'll live with you forever. <laughs> they will. You heard me say that the other week about the average age for a young man to, to, to how long they live with their parents is 27 years old now. That's the average age. Fantasy. Not real. Um, while imagination can be tolerated in a child, just as much effort should be expended by the influencing adults in the child's life to establish what is real and what is imagination. The distinction between them and most importantly when it's appropriate and when it's not. You know, I still like to do things that are fun. I'll even, you know, involve myself sometimes in the kids' silliness because it is, it's fun. But I can't endure it for very long. Because it's just not, you know, no. it's not real. So that's why it's so offensive when you see somebody that only lives there. A perpetual adolescent. It's like they're, just, they're like Peter Pan, the little boy that never grew up.
So truth, real truth. The truth about things that really matter. You know, must be founded in what God has established as the truth. You know, there's a lot of things out there that claim to be truth. But they're not. They're based in somebody's ideas, but not the truth. That is something, and I don't know, you hear all kinds of things about all kinds of stuff, and it's up to you to decide to figure out whether or not they're true. But, you know, if you go back to the Word of God, there's, I mean, people want to argue that it's not relevant in our time. But if you look hard enough, you may not get the exact definition of, uh, I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to anyway. Because it's the first thing that comes to my mind because it's what everybody's thinking about nowadays, and that's aliens. Mm -hmm. It's going to play a huge role in the end of things. But they're not aliens from another planet. What does the Bible call an alien? Can you find the word alien in the Bible? Mm-hmm. Yep. What it's is it? Stranger, it's a stranger. It's someone. Foreigner. It's a foreigner. It's someone from where you're not from. Mm-hmm. You're an alien from where they're from. But that word has been taken and given to something else fantasy. and defined. A fantasy. Yes. A fantasy. It's not real. No. The reality of what they're showing you is not some little green man from another planet. Who is the prince of the powers of the air? It's the devil. People don't want to talk talk about that because now you're being weird. Now you're being a conspiracy theorist and now you're being superstitious and now you're being, you know, a kook. But the Bible talks, go to Revelations and start comparing what they say they look like to what's in Revelation. Can you find it in there? There's some things to compare there. And so that's my point. Finding the truth about anything that you might have questions about can be sourced out in God's Word. He gave you enough truth and true things to live a complete life for Him walking in truth without having to get carried away on that nonsense. There's enough of an answer in His Word about everything to suffice your curiosity or your need to know. And at the end of the day, what about faith? At what point does faith play a role in this? Well, it it should play a lot bigger role than what it gets let play. Because here's the thing. Can you trust, can you put your faith and trust in a fantasy? No. No, you can't. One of the identifiers between what's true and what's fantasy is what it produces. Truth will always produce reality. It'll never produce a fantasy. It won't produce something that don't make any sense or that can't be justified by what God says is true in His Word and right. Okay? Fantasy doesn't work that way. Truth will always produce reality. It'll produce real life scenarios that are for better or worse. Still true. They're still true. I've been talking about Zach working in that prison down there. You go out here and you commit some heinous crime. What are they going to do to you if justice is served? They're going to lock you up. 
And whether you want to believe that it's really happening or not, you're going to be in prison with a bunch of other murderers. That's where you're going to live. And somebody's going to tell you where you can stand and where you can't, when you can speak and when you cannot, where you, when you can go to the bathroom, when you cannot. They're going to control every aspect of your life. That's reality. The truth is you committed the crime, you received con- the, 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 co- the consequences of your actions that result in the reality of you living in a prison. Is that a beautiful thing? No, not for the prisoner. But it's real. Fantasy or untrue things will always beget more untrue scenarios and imaginations. That's why when someone truly commits to a fantasy, it's the ver- it's, that is the definition of insanity. They do not live in reality. The, who coined the phrase, out of touch with reality? What does that define? What does that describe? Someone who lives in a fantasy all the time. Truth begets honesty and untruth begets liars. Because there is people who will subscribe to a fantasy and, and then adopt it as their reality. But are they okay with it just being their fantasy? No. They're going to start demanding that you believe their fantasy is real. Like the sodomites and the trans people and all of that nonsense. It ain't good enough that they believe the fantasy to the point of insanity. No, now the same people, they want to force you to believe they're insane. They can't leave that alone. It begets liars. Mm -hmm. Fantasy begets liars. They demand that everybody... Why? Because there's still a little spark in there somewhere that says, you're not right. This isn't real. (laughs) This doesn't work. Mm -hmm. You cannot argue with reality. Mm -hmm. And they'll never be able to undo what God did there. The line between fantasy and reality can never be truly smeared. It's only imagination where it can happen. Many people will say that what we believe to be true about God and the Bible and His Son, Jesus, and the cross and the resurrection and eternity is all a fantasy. You ever heard that? Everybody believes that you're just believing in a big fairy tale? Well, faith and fantasy cannot coexist together. They will cancel each other out at some point. They can't. You can't put real faith in a fantasy. Your conscience won't let you. Reality won't let you. And at some point, you have to face reality. You just have to. Reality forces you to face it. So, can you put faith in fantasy? No, you can't. It doesn't work. Can you put faith in God? Well, let me say this. What is your truth founded in? If your what you consider to be true and real, if it's founded in some kind of idea and not here, then it's a fantasy. If you take a little piece of truth and then add your structure to it, your fantasy, to the truth, and then you try to peddle that as the truth, is it the truth? Are you putting your faith in truth 
are you putting it in what you've built around the truth? That's what most churches are nowadays. It's a little bit of truth and a whole lot of fantasy peddled as the truth. That's why there's 7 million churches in America. Because every one of them's got a little bit different version of their truth. A little bit of truth with a whole bunch of fantasy peddled as the pure, unadulterated truth of God. And it's not. And everybody wants to live in their own version of the truth, so they go somewhere else. So what's your truth? The truth you believe to be true. What's it founded in? What is the fruit of the truth you follow and live? Is it love, joy, peace? Does fantasy consistently and long term produce love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, faith, meekness, gentleness? No, it can't. It doesn't. At some point, reality makes everybody have to start asking questions. And then everybody starts fighting over what's real and what ain't. Because I said this is, but you said it, but you see. Or is it the next wild, crazy imagination that has to support all the rest of the world's imagination? Is that what truth is for people? Yeah. Whatsoever things are true, start, start doing inventory of the things that you believe to be true. I mean, foundational things, simple things. Let's, let's step out of the spiritual world and look around. I mean, there's people that claim to love God, believe in His Son, believe in the resurrection, believe in all this, but they believe in things like what I was talking about. They believe in flying saucers. They believe in Bigfoot. They believe in, you know, leprechauns. You know, I mean, just silly things that are, are pure imagination and nonsense. How can that be? Do I believe in anything like that? I mean, do I entertain the thought? Of course, I don't believe. Look, I'm out of time. I'm not going to talk about that next thing. But it, it, it do us good to assess what we count for real versus what really could be imagination and how it affects what we believe is true and then thereby affecting how we live. Whatsoever things are true.